Welcome back to Midnights with Malice, a podcast where we dive in and learn all there is to know about attention deficit hyperactive disorder or ADHD for the folks at home. (laughs) On today's episode, we have quite the treat. We'll be looking into the theoretical uh, frameworks that researchers use to conceptualize and try to figure out how ADHD happens. Well, that's not all, lovely listeners. Today, I have a special guest, an expert in her field, a real smart aleck. Yes, that's right. Today, I have a professor and a researcher at Moratorium University here to give us the inside scoop about the genetic viewpoint of ADHD. Please give a warm welcome to Yonko P. Sona. Hold for applause. I said, hold for applause. Oh, danke, danke. Thank you so much for having me here today. Oh, (laughs) and thank you, Dr. Sona, for gracing us with your time and expertise. Now, let's get into it. So, you're a researcher as well as a professor in genetic studies, isn't that right? Tell us something, good doctor. What does ADHD have to do with genetics? (laughs) Ah, da. Yes, well, let's get into it. All right, so you ask me, what does genetics have to do with ADHD? Well, quite a lot, actually. Uh, It has been found that ADHD has quite high heritability. What heritability means is that it seems to pass on from generation to generation. To give you an example, About one-third of an ADHD child's biological relatives will also have ADHD. Not only that, in twin studies, ADHD was shown to have incredibly high heritability among identical twins. 75% to be exact. Oh wow, that's quite fascinating. Uh, so, like hair color or the color of your eyes, you two can pass on this diagnosis? Precisely. In fact, let me give you another statistic. If a parent with ADHD has an offspring, that child has a 60% chance to also have the diagnosis. More so, our research suggests that There seems to be a link between genes associated with dopamine, also associated with ADHD. Now, dopamine dysregulation is a big part of ADHD. What dopamine is, is a neurotransmitter chemical that, when excreted, causes pleasure and 
motivates us to focus on what we're doing. People with ADHD have lower amounts of dopamine. So part of the reason why it's difficult to focus on more menial a task is because it's less fulfilling and stimulating. Now back to genes. The one in question that I'm elaborating about right now is called DRD4. This gene is, like I said, associated with dopamine and ADHD, but also it has been related to such personality traits such as sensation-seeking, high levels of thrill-seeking, impulsive, exploratory, and excited behaviors. Which, if you open up your DSM-5, you'll see that one of the risk factors is heightened novelty-seeking in the temperamental section. Wow, Dr. Sona, I am so enthralled. I never knew there was so much that goes into ADHD on a, a, a genetic level. I, I'm shocked. Yes, it's quite surprising and fascinating, isn't it? After all, genes are the most important part of ADHD. In fact- Stop right there, Fraulein. What the? Who? Who's in the studio now? That voice. It can't be. No. Oh, but it can, Fraulein. I have returned. Uh, uh, Dr. Sona, who is this man in my studio right now? And what's his number? Dr. Corpus Callum. Professor and researcher of neurobiological causes. How long has it been, Corpus? Too long, Fraulein. Oh my gosh. What the development? I can just feel the tension and the history. But why is he here? To give a counter-argument to all this genetic mumbo-jumbo once and for all. I will admit, there is a strong basis that there is heritability and that genes do play a part in the development of ADHD. However, it still does not tell us just what causes it or why. Not to mention, ADHD can't be attributed to one gene or another. In a vast sea of DNA, three billion pairs in the human genome, Regardless of what Fraulein says, genetics only account for 20 to 30% of the heritability of ADHD. Not to mention, she speaks nothing about the environmental effects of the disorder. Ugh, Callum, you... Yes, the genetic viewpoint is wrought with holes. The neurobiological standpoint, however, 
has ample evidence for neurobiological factors affecting ADHD. For example, differences on psychophysiological measures, such as galvanic skin response, show that diminished arousal or arousability is present in those with ADHD, more so than those who do not. Also, differences in blood flow to the prefrontal regions of the brain and the pathways connecting these regions to the limbic system and cerebellum suggest that decreased blood flow to these regions in ADHD brains, as opposed to those who do not have ADHD. Furthermore, there seems to be studies that suggest there are abnormalities in the frontal stralic circuitry of the brain. What this region is, is that it consists of the prefrontal cortex, as well as interconnected areas of gray matter located deep below the cerebral cortex. This area is collectively known as the basal ganglia. The basal ganglia is associated with attention, executive functioning, delayed responding, and response organization. All that sound familiar? There have been uh, evidence to show that people with legions in the brain in this region show similar symptoms to those who have ADHD. Not to mention, children with ADHD have smaller and lighter prefrontal cortexes than children who do not. <laughs> oh my gosh. So what you're saying is, is that there's even brain structural and brain activity differences between people with ADHD and those who don't? Exactly, my dear. <laughs> so you finally understand. The neurobiological viewpoint is the most superior. <laughs> Corpus, you've always were very clever. Hmm. However, hmm? even your precious neurobiological viewpoint has flaws. What? Although brain imagery can tell us rich information about differences in brain structure and activity, they also don't tell us why. That's because... Not to mention, the sample sizes for these studies that you've mentioned have also been defined differently and are generally very small which brings problems when trying to generalize and make interpretations about data. Ugh. Lastly, brain structure can differ even among individuals, so making such assertions can be a difficult task. No. It's over, Callum. Now, go home. No. No! Well, this has certainly been a fun and informational and really weird episode. But please be sure to stay tuned next time, lovely listeners, for more um, informational content?